Hey guys, if you like DFS, Daily Fantasy Sports, stay tuned. I have Rich Trojanowski on. We go through the U.S. Open field. We talk about salaries and what to look for this week, what type of skill sets are going to thrive in a DFS lineup. Um, and in the end, we talk about some potential lineups that we like. Um, listen in if you like doing DFS or if you're a fan of golf. Welcome to Your Best Bets. We are conducting the U.S. Open EFS show, uh, specifically DraftKings pricing. This is a first-time venture for the podcast going deep into the DFS game with golf um, to really help me through this process navigate a, a, a lineup and, and decipher who we like and who we don't like from certain price ranges. Um, I'm just going to call him our DFS ringer. It's Rich Trojanowski. He's back. Welcome back to the show, Rich. Thank you so much, Phil. It's always nice to hear your voice again. And, and I love to hearing Sarah's voice again. I haven't talked to her in so long. She needs to get back on here. Bring yeah. some more flair to it. Yeah, I was uh, I was really happy to have her on for the one time uh, the the housewife show, and we've we've been trying to figure out a, a, a new a new pod with the ladies. But uh, yeah, it's good to have you back. Um, we were on, I think we did this in January, February, talking about just DFS in general. Um, you know, talking about specific strategies, and now we're going to really apply it this week to. Uh, a major tournament in golf. Um, it's, I don't know if this is my favorite major, but it might be as well. I, I love the Masters. There's something awesome about seeing that golf course, but there's something so much fun about the U.S. Open, which is typically a mental challenge on these pros that you don't ever see. It's a grind. It is the toughest test in golf. Uh, so I'm really excited for this week. And I'm glad you're here to to vet it out with me. And I haven't done a lot of DraftKings DFS or just DFS golf in general for a while. Um, I think we talked about that. You know, I've just stayed on the betting side. But you've been you've been yeah. dipping in for the last year or so. Yeah, and I, I really um, like to play specific styles and stick to them, and you know, win here and there, and, and just you know, have fun watching golf with a little bit of extra on it you know really gets a, yeah. a better feeling of, of how people are playing and um, you know how well they've done previously going into the next week yeah and, you have and, money on it <laughs> well yeah and and, and uh, we we've talked a little bit about the difference in betting a tournament and then doing dfs and it's a huge strategy change because you know, I, when I when I'm betting on it, I'm I'm typically betting on a guy's ceiling, how how well he can play, and thinking if he plays well, he can win. And DFS, it's not necessarily picking a guy for your lineup that you think can win. It's thinking a guy, uh, picking a guy that is of good value from a certain price range, that you know potentially makes a lot of birdies. I guess first of all, that is going to make the cut. Um, you yeah, want to. Yeah, Step one. <laughs> Ideally, you want to have, you know, six of six, make the cut. And then two, uh, have guys that, that can fill it up, make birdies. Obviously, finishing the top 10 and potentially winning is a bonus. But for a starter, uh, you know, as a person starting out in DFS, you know, having six of six through to the weekend is an accomplishment itself at times. And then having guys, you know, fill up the scorecard make five or six birdies in a round is, is a huge deal as well. Can you talk about just quickly some of the, a couple of the differences in, and there's in, in DraftKings, at least there's a classic, which is what we're going to be talking about the classic contest versus showdown versus I, I don't know what else there is. Yeah. There's a tiers where you select from a certain number of golfers in this tier and you have to pick one from each tier. You got a snake draft one where you have six players, and that one, 
Uh, and then an even smaller one, which is a three-player lineup. Yeah, Classic and Showdown. Showdown also has a captain showdown mode, which is on day three and four, where you get the extra 1.5 for the captain. Of course, they also cost 1.5 more. Um, yeah, the Classic is, is you know, certainly fun. And, and, and with that, you to win a tournament where you are winning a lot of money, you're definitely going to have to have all six players make the cut. But just to, you know, in the, in the double-up ones – where mm-hmm. you're 50-50, those you can have one or two people cut as long as you have someone that's scoring 80-plus points. So, you know, um, you know, 100 would be even better, but those are the winners are going to be over 100. Or even in the top 10, you'll, you'll probably get over 100, and especially maybe not on this course, right? I mean, there are going to be a lot of birdies on this one. What's the score uh, going to be? I mean, I, I see, I, I would I would guess the score, winning score is going to be anywhere from minus – four or five to potentially potentially over par it's just hard to say um with the u.s open you know the the usga really values even par usually somewhere around even winning um bryson won last year i think at minus six but the guy that was second uh matt wolf was i think minus one um so typically Pars are great at the u.s open and birdies are a of huge value and this week um with this golf course, it's in, in on paper, it's going to play tough. Um, you know, we talked about it on last night's show. It's going to play over 7,600 yards. Um, it's a par 71 this week. Typically it's a 72, but they made one of the par fives into a par four. I believe that was number four or five. Um, you know, obviously noteworthy item in any USGA event or any US open is the, the thick long rough. I've already seen videos this week of guys dropping balls around the greens, the balls just go to the bottom and you can't see the ball. Um, so again, it's hard to, there's been a huge seismic shift in what is, what works at a US open. Traditionally, 20 years ago, you wanted guys that hit every fairway and just kept it in play and really played a conservative style of golf. The last five winners of the U.S. Open are bombers. Uh, it goes back to 2016, Dustin Johnson won, Brooks Kepka won in 17, uh, 2018, um, uh, Brooks Kepka again, 2019, Gary Woodland, and then last year, Jason. The last five years of winners are guys that bomb it and aren't necessarily putting a huge premium on hitting the fairway. Um, so, so John Rom fall into that category, the favorite here. I would say John Rom. I would say John Rom would be considered a bomber. I don't know if okay. he's not, he's not as long as Bryson, um, but not a lot of guys are, he's not as long as Rory, but he's, he's plenty long enough. Um, but yeah. the guys at the top are, are, Almost, you know, the top six, seven guys are guys that hit it, you know, are just above average or, or very long. Um, so I, I, I tend to lean that way again this week if I'm betting it or if I'm picking lineups for DFS. There are a couple different, there are a couple guys that I do like that are not in that category. Um, so you could go completely the other way and look at guys like Colin Morikawa. That's, that's my top guy that's not a bomber because he's simply and, and the stats bear this out rich and i talked about this last night he's he's been the best iron player on tour for the last year since and basically since he's come on tour um he, he and in fact he's so far above everyone else as far as iron play it's not it's really not even close or you got the the Jordan Spieth type who he defies all stats and this should not be a Jordan Spieth course. It's, it's too long. He's, he misses too far off the tee, but the guy figures out a way to get the ball in the hole. And he's been playing, he's been hitting his irons great since January. He'd been, he's, he could be the best player on tour since January, 2021. Um, and then the other guy that's in that category for me is Pat Reed, Patrick Reed. He won here in January. Obviously it's a much different setup. Um, and, but Reed's got maybe the best short game on tour right now. Um, you know, he's not long, he doesn't hit a ton of fairways, but he's one of these guys that figures out how to get the ball in the hole. Um, and I don't know if there's anyone else, maybe other than speed that I'd want hitting a 10 foot par putt. Um, and you're going to have to make a lot of eight to 10 foot par putts this week. 
Um, so there's a lot of stats that apply, but I'm looking at strokes gained off the tee this week. I'm looking at scrambling as well, strokes gained around the green, um, which I know sounds kind of funny, but again, everyone's going to miss a lot of greens this week. Everyone's going to miss a lot of greens. So the key is I want the guy that can, that can ship and ship it close enough to, to make a five footer for par. Um, so those are probably my top two stats that I'm looking at. Um, and of course with DFS, a lot of it depends on the value. Um, a lot of it depends yeah. on, on guys in comparable price range and who you like over another. Um, Real quick, talking about – you mentioned it briefly. I'm, I'm playing the Millionaire Maker, Millionaire Maker this week. Um, so in your estimation, how should I be aggressive with my lineups and, and go for guys that are high risk, high reward if I really want to try to win something like that? I, man, you know, this – scaring me with these low numbers ones because – I mean, everyone's going to be around the same. So then, because you only get 0.5 for a par and negative 0.5 for a bogey. So, you know, maybe the the positionings would be a little better because you got 10 points between first and second. And then it's two points after that all the way down to seven. And then you're down to um, one all the way down to 50 where, um, you know, every five. So, positioning may be a big thing as well. Maybe thinking who you're actually thinking will come towards the top. And um, so at least picking that person and then, yeah, you know, trying to fill it in with, um, you know, middle of the line people, you're going to have to take one of those guys, right? I mean, you know, they're going to have at least gained something from being up at the top, most likely 10 extra points or versus all the other numbers staying the same. You're only you're also only losing one point for a double bogey. So now you're only 1.5 points away from a par and a double bogey versus two points, you know, up and down the leaderboard. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think it does come back to risk reward. If you want to, you want to look at the guys that you feel like are, are, are going to make a lot of pars, you know, that are going to maybe be safe to make the cut. Or do you want maybe boom bust potential? Um, you know, I am I am also looking at just birdies gained statistically. Who's who are the top birdie makers on tour? Um, mm-hmm. I tend to think if you're going for you know a big contest like that and not necessarily like a 50 50, that I think you. I mean, to me, who cares if you finish middle of the road in a big contest? I want the boomer bust potential. That's the kind of guys that I would be looking for. And if it's a 50-50, um, I think definitely more conservative. Um, guys that you feel like are safe bets to make the cut would be the play to try to get six or six through. Yeah. Um, so then who in. would you, you know, so you're going to pick three booms and three, you know, 4,000, I mean, 6,000. The lowest is 6,000, I think. So, you know, yeah. you're going to pick and it gets really, you know, way down at the bottom. Yeah, it gets really lean down there with some of these uh, oh, yeah. guys that that were like they don't they have they don't have photos anymore. You know, they go from uh, photos to no photos. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about guys that are better. They were, you know, sectional qualifiers last week. That's okay. the cool thing about the U.S. Open is that you know me or you could essentially make this field uh, through local qualifying <laughs> and sectional qualifying. Obviously, that's, uh, cool. that's not going to happen. But yeah, it gets really here, tough here. down there at the bottom. But there's some guys in the mid six thousands that you could essentially argue that you could you could you know put in your life. Like Jimmy up. Walker, who's been doing pretty good lately, right? Jimmy Walker played pretty well at the Memorial. Um, uh, Pat Rogers at sixty five hundred. He's he's one of my personal faves uh, uh, that I constantly let me down. But as far as mm-hmm. DFS, he's a West Coast guy. He's uh, he puts these type of greens really well, these bumpy poet greens. Um, and so I'll be, I'll, I'm actually excited to talk about that range when we get there. But my last mm-hmm. question before we start breaking down the price ranges, Rich, is um, ownership percentages is a pretty critical thing when you're talking about these lineups. Um, in theory, if 20% of, say, you know, whatever uh, contest you're in is taking John Rahm. 
I mean, in theory, wouldn't you want to go for the guy that's opposite of Rom and say DJ's at 8% and go for the lower own percentage guy if everything else is the same? I mean, I want to take the guy that I want to go, I want to zig while everyone else is zagging potentially. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's the same way you kind of bet on on conventional betting too, right? I mean, right. or even horse racing, you know, things like that. You, you want to try to maybe go against sometimes. But uh, I think in golfing more, yeah, it would fit a little better because it's so open. And, and you know, anyone, you know, any one of these top four guys, Rom, Spieth, Johnson, and DeChambeau can certainly take this W, you know? Um. We'll start at the top of the board. Um, Rom is the betting favorite. Um, he, in some books, he's plus eight hundred. Um, last I looked today, he was plus a thousand. On uh, DFS here, he's he's the only guy in the eleven thousand range. Um, yeah. So Rom has a great history at this golf course. He won his first event uh, on tour in twenty seventeen. Um, he's played Tory Pines as well as anyone the last four years. Um, so we know, we know what happened uh, two weeks ago at the Memorial. He was on huh. a historical pace um, in, just compared to the field in strokes gained that week. He was first in tee to green, second in putting, six-shot lead, and he comes off, and, and he's told he has COVID. He has to withdraw. And uh, just yesterday – or I'm sorry, just Saturday, he posted on Twitter that he's, he's been cleared, he's back, um, Rich, do you have any worries about him kind of coming back and yeah. not having a lot of practice time now with the COVID leave? Yeah, I think psychologically, I mean, it's got to be messing with him, right? I mean, didn't it happen before, too, where he was near the top and had to get pulled out for COVID? I don't think – I don't know. Well, it just happened a couple of weeks ago. That was the only time. Oh, that one, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was um, another one, but – yeah, and no, I mean, I think definitely mental game isn't. It's got to be a factor, and and he's a little too high for me to want to want to put him on my lineup. To tell you the truth, I think if you if you pick Rob, you 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 pigeonhole yourself almost in not taking another top guy. I think if you if you and we'll talk about the 10K range in a second, but I think if you take one of the 10K guys like Brooks, you you have the potential to take another top guy if you wanted to go that way. If you take Rom, you're kind of already setting yourself up where you're going to have to fill out your team with mid-tier guys, all mid-tier or low-tier. But I do want to talk about Rom's run, uh, Rich. Last, since, since um, we'll go back to the, well, Let's go back to the BMW Championship in fall of 2020. That was that he that was his last win. Um, we know he would have won the Memorial, but since that last win, he's um, he's had nine top tens and only two finishes outside the top 20. Um, so he's been a top 10 machine. He finished eighth at the PGA, the last major, um, and we know. Where what you know the pace that he was on at the memorial, I we, I talked about strokes gained off the tee. He's third in the field uh, off the tee. He's he's just so good through the bag. Uh, you know, nineteenth in, in approach and iron play. If there's any weakness, it's probably his irons. But even even now, it's it's still a strength. Um, so. If you if you build your team around Rom, you just have to be prepared that I think you're going to have to have a couple 8K guys or 7K guys um, that you feel good about support him. Um, but he's made 14 to 15 cuts this year. Um, you know, yeah, you can't go wrong with John Rom, and and I just wonder as far as you know if he can win this tournament. Everything, everything in the world, Rich points to Rom winning this week he hasn't won a major he's due to win one he's played this golf course great he's arguably playing better than anyone else um so yeah i mean that that would you know so a stat i'm looking at right now is the fantasy points you know uh, per the entire four days and uh, he really he's only cracked 100 twice this season and um the last one you know where he well i guess he would have capped it at the um at the memorial, but he didn't play it. I mean, that, he was already at 93 points there. Right. Um, but the, uh, before that, 66, 82, 30, 84. So, but I was looking at DeChambeau before this, and 
you know, he's had like five over a hundred. So we're looking at, we need to look a little differently than just saying, okay, he's the overall favorite, you know, he's priced at the favorite, but we still want to get the most bang. And I like to use past data for, you know, um, recent past data on the total fantasy points that the person has scored in this style, you know, that's fair. It will. So it doesn't look like he's holding a lot of value because 82 and a half, he was at 11,000. Um, it was 11,000 last um, two weeks ago as well. Um, and, and he would have done well over a hundred, but he's mainly hovering around the 10, 11,000 range and consistently in the eighties. I think they've got at 84, 81.4, which is still the highest average below Bryson that is telling me out of all the rest of these guys. So. So sounds to me like you're you're going to be passing on, on building any lineups around Rom. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, maybe if I did um, per round, you know, I like to do that on the third round. Say, okay, well, he's obviously playing very well, and you know, this is going good, and it may work on that. But for the classic style, I don't think I want to carry him through four days. I think I'm with you. Um, I think I can live with if if John Rom goes and torches the field and wins by five. And I think I can look at that. Um, I think, I think, I think again, you look at guys that are in the same ballpark of him talent wise. I look at, I look at DJ Bryson Brooks, Rory, you can get those guys for up to a thousand dollars less, even more than that. Um, And uh, I, I, I think I would rather just take my chance and his, I think his ownership, potentially is going to be really high as well. I, I would say over 10% for sure. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. So let's talk about the 10K range. There's four guys there. Uh, I'm, I'm a little surprised about Spieth being the second, um, you know, second highest priced guy in the field. But he, like I said, arguably the best player in the world the last six months. Um, mm-hmm. He's at 10,900, DJ at 10,7, Bryson at 10,4, and Brooks at 10. One, I want to talk about speed for a second. Uh, when we're talking about strokes gained off the tee, Rich, um, if there's any deficiency in Spieth's game, it's it's clearly off the tee, and that's that's where I have some real concerns about him um, this week. Because not only is he he's not long, he's not short, but he's not he's not anywhere close to the DJs, the Brysons of the world. Um, but he also hit, misses a ton of fairways too. Um, you know, we're not talking about a Colin Morikawa situation where Morikawa is not long, but he still gets the ball in play more than not. Spieth, eightieth, uh, he's eightieth in this field off the tee. Um, it's pretty concerning to me. Um, and of course, he rates out awesome every other facet of the game. He's tenth in iron play, second around the greens, thirteenth in putting. Um, yeah, putting so. So again, I mean, it's 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 that one deficiency though that I'm worried about because at a course like this, I just feel like you're going to see Spieth hacking out a lot to get it back in the fairway, and his third shot will be you know trying to get up and down for par from 90 yards. Um, now he has gained off the tee his last five events, um, not a lot, but but just enough to put him in in, in the positive. Um, but I, I don't, I don't think I'll be taking Spieth in any lineups, Rich, because of that. And he could, he could totally, dis, you know, dispel everything I'm saying because he could just go nuts with the putter and, and make up all the shots uh, with the putter this week. And that's what I'm looking at. I mean, you're not really talking a lot about the putting, so I don't know. Is it just not important? Or I mean, <laughs> not as important to you as the other ones you've been mentioning. But he is, he's a better putter than the other four guys here in the last 24 rounds is what I have it filtered out right now. And even before there's still um, better short game, you know? So, I mean, if, if they're getting close and then they've got to make 10 or 15 foot putts, then he's probably the best money guy out there for that. Right. I, yeah. I, I think him or Patrick Reed are the, the two that I would, I have a cut above the rest as far as that goes. I'm just worried about, What's Spieth going to be putting for? Is he going to be putting for par too much compared to Rom, Bryson putting for birdie because they're just they're hitting it, they're hitting the ball better. Um, yeah. But 
I, I, th- I just think for the price, it's a little high for my liking. Um, but again, Spees, he just he pulls shit out of his ass, uh, literally. <laughs> um, <laughs> literally. I mean, I mean, uh, a couple of years ago um, at, at the PGA at, at Bethpage in New York, I mean, he had no business finishing where he did. He finished third to Bryson, or no, I'm sorry, Brooks and DJ. And he, his ball striking was awful, but he just made every single putty look like, uh, looked at just to be in semi contention. So that could happen again. Uh, Nothing would surprise me with Spieth. I just don't, I just don't think I'm going to go that route. Um, I'm going to build my lineup around one of the next three guys. And that's DJ, DJ Bryson or Brooks. That's, that's the three guys that in, in my mind, when we were talking about doing this show that I knew that I was going to build my lineup around. Um, um, I've, I've, I think I, I said in one of our shows in March that Bryson's going to win the U S open again. I feel like I have to stick with that. <laughs> um, I wanted to, I just want to talk about Bryson for a second. Uh, he's at, he's at 10, four. He's first, uh, first in the field off the tee. Um, in fact, if you look at the last few events, I mean, not only is he first off the tee, he's gained in his last four events, four off the tee, six, three, three. He's gained multiple shots compared to the field. Um, and Rich, something he did last year to win the U.S. Open was, I think he he kind of figured out, oh, it's the U.S. Open. Everyone's going to miss fairways. I'm just going to be a hell of a lot farther down there so I can hit a wedge into the hole. And guess what? Even hitting a wedge out of the rough, there's a good chance you can hold these greens compared to someone else hitting a six or seven iron. Um, so I still like that, that approach for Bryson this week. Um, now, a lot of people don't talk about at the U S open last year. Um, he putted his balls off. I mean, he just made every putt as well, which that didn't hurt either. Um, but to me of, of the guys that are 10 K or above, I think I have to start my lineup with Bryson. So you can get probably two of those. Uh, I did it, and you can you know still be in the seventy two hundred range, you know up and down the spectrum on that. But even getting Jordan Spieth and Brooks is still in the same seventy two hundred range, you know. So I mean, yeah, I mean you can grab two of those four guys and still make a pretty solid lineup. Is that what you're kind of looking at? I have to vet it out. I I don't know if I want to take two of those guys yeah. because I think like. Then you have to All take right. you have to take four guys that are like Ryan Palmer, uh, I mean, Matt Wallace, yeah, so these Her- seven thousand. <laughs> I mean, I, I actually like a couple of those guys. I just don't know if I want to take four of them. But uh, yeah. I, Stuart Sink, I like him. I do like Sink this week too. Yeah, um, DJ and Brooks. Um, DJ surfaced this last weekend uh, at the Palmetto Championship. He didn't have a great weekend. But he showed a lot of a lot better play. Yeah. Than, yeah, a lot better play than he's had for the last couple of months. Brooks, meanwhile, missed the cut, probably didn't give a shit about this last weekend. He only focuses on majors, and you can just kind of default to hey, if it's a major championship, Brooks is gonna probably show up and he's gonna contend. Um, if you had to choose between Brooks and Dustin for DFS, which way would you lean? Gosh, man. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to stay away from Dustin. He's just so so volatile lately. I mean, with those last three holes or whatever, it just, you know, he had a chance and then just melted down. I feel like I see that more than I see him winning these, you know, tournaments and gaining all this world respect or whatever, you know. But so if I'm going between those two, I'd rather go Bryson and Brooks between those two, you know, not Dustin. But Mm -hmm. if I'm picking one of those two, going to be Bryson for sure again same reasons you're saying getting it close to the green getting a better putt hopefully for your birdie or par not bogeying bogeying and just staying up towards the the top of the leaderboard I think that's the right mix that you're going to need right so then where is Rory is he a long he's a long distance for sure so you know what is his chances for this uh yeah are you ready to move from the tens or uh, yeah I am um yeah, yeah. So, so there's what seven guys in the nine K range, yeah. and Rory's at the top. Ones. So I, 
I love Rory, but man, he's frustrating and he's been really mm-hmm. frustrating in the majors the last couple of years. I, I, I talked about this with Nate last night that he does this thing, Rich, where he'll shoot 75, 76 round one and he'll be three or four over. And then he kind of freewheels it after that. And he plays free golf and then he'll, he'll play three great rounds, but it'll be enough just to get him T five or, you know, yeah. you know, a top a big back, a backdoor top 10, but he's never really in contention. So I'm really hopeful just as a fan of his, that he plays well in, in round one. And it doesn't have to be leading the tournament. Just don't play yourself out of it. Um, from a DFS standpoint though, I, I, I think Rory's a great price. Um, ideally, is, I mean, this is, is a he great, making the cut or not. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know if he's making the cut. You don't know if he's making the cut. Yeah, what is it going to be plus one or even? No, uh, no less than I, that. I, plus I bet the two. Cut, um, the cut will probably fall anywhere from like four to plus four to five. Okay, oh, so I can round. definitely see him down there. <laughs> you're you're down on Rory. I, I'm definitely I, down on Rory. Yeah. So I will say the the in theory, it's a, it's a great course fit for him. I mean, you, you talk about length. He's about as long as anyone. He is the best total driver of the golf ball in the world for the last five years. Um, you know, I, I know Bryson's longer, but Rory just hits more fairways, but it's, it's everything else with Rory that I've questioned. It's everything after the driver, um, his iron play. Um, he did win a couple, you know, a couple tournaments ago, but over the last six, eight months, his iron play has not been very good. And then I have a ton of questions with the putter. Um, but, this this is just a, this is a perfect setup for a Rory win, but I, I don't I don't know if we're gonna see it. Um, the guy I want to talk about though, in the nine K range, and and I've been on Justin Thomas almost every tournament. I I don't know how you can play Justin Thomas this week because he's been he's just been really bad for a couple months, and I say that as a big fan of his, but he. His putting, Rich, and I, I'm going to have to pull this up before we get to Morikawa because you, you just won't believe how bad his putting numbers are. Um, Justin Thomas, hugely prolific winner on tour. Um, you know, he won the players in March. You know, we, we picked that here on this podcast. But yeah. Justin Thomas, the last event at the Memorial, he lost eight shots to the field putting that week. Uh, a few a few events ago at the Valspar, he lost six shots to the field putting. Uh, he's really having a hard time on any type of green surface. His ball striking is is fine. It's totally fine, uh, but he he's really leaking a lot of oil putting. Um, I don't know. I would much prefer Rory over JT this mm-hmm. week. Um, I guess I agree with that yeah. So Morikawa though, this is the guy Alexander. I want to. Morikawa is again. So if you, you can pick one, one or two pass, I think this week you can go with the bomber uh, vernacular with uh, Brooks, Bryce, and DJ, or you can go the guy that gives up shots off the tee but gains everywhere else. And Morikawa again, um, he's so far and above the best iron player on tour. And I said last night, I think he's got just the strongest skill going of anyone in the world right now. And that's his iron play. So rich, he, in his last four tournaments, he's had four top 15 finishes. He was runner up with the Memorial, but he's gained in his last four events, seven strokes. So he fit. Okay. So four weeks ago, he gained seven shots on approach, seven shots on approach, eight shots on approach, six shots on approach. I mean, that is a huge number uh, to be gaining on the field with just your irons. Now he's he's probably below average chipping the ball, probably below average putting. But you're talking about a guy that's hitting a lot of fairways and is just so good with his irons, especially from 175 to 200 yards, which a lot of these approach shots are going to be. I love Morikawa this week. You know, is he going to win a, a second major at age 24? I don't know, but for DFS, he's got a high floor and he's got a high ceiling. And I think that's a perfect combination. I think he's, he's a cut maker. Um, he's a top 10 machine. Um, I love Morikawa. If, if I could pair Morikawa with, with Bryson, ideally that's what I would love to do. And that's yeah, that'd be good. 
Um, I know that that probably pigeonhole me to, you know, having a couple seven low seven K guys or high six K guys, but um, I love, I love college. I think you're going to have to carry one of those and just hope that, you know, they do well. I mean, unless you're playing that balanced approach that you're talking about where you're all eight thousands or whatever, you know, but see more cow again, look, I'm looking at the, you know, fantasy points uh, from weeks ago. So one, one 11, 76, 71, 89, 70. So he's, He's making a lot of birdies and not making a lot of bogeys, which and finishing higher up the leaderboard, second, fourteenth, eighth, seventh. You know, right. those obviously help a lot because um, you yeah, have two was, points there. You know, I was going to say, is all that good? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> second place from first place to second is ten points. So I mean, even from third, well, then you drop to two um, from second to third. Um, but per, I think. Certainly going to have to pick one of these nine thousands for sure, and, and he's certainly—I don't know—I like Victor Hovland a lot. He hasn't again; he's not been doing too well in DFS, but I played him a lot like four or five weeks ago, six weeks ago, and he was just money for me. It was, it was awesome, and he was real low too. I think like eight thousand or something. Yeah, like eighty-seven hundred, ninety-three hundred. So he's gotten as low as eighty-seven hundred, and he's tremendous value even at ninety-two hundred. I mean, I love Hovland. I think he's awesome. Um, in fact, if you want to talk about birdies as far as having upside, yeah. uh, birdies, the birdies gain statistic that I'm looking at the last 50 rounds, Victor Hovland is first. Mm-hmm. Um, he's uh, He tops Rory, uh, guys like Xander, Speed, Morikawa. He's, he's tops in the field in birdies gain the last 50 rounds. Um, the thing that terrifies me about Hovland's, and I talked about it a little bit last night, because his ball striking is is it's elite. Um, he's he's really good off the tee. He's not uber long, but he's longer than you would think, and he's really good with the irons. It's it's generally around the greens. His chipping, and he said this before, he he sucks at chipping. Um, it's gotten a lot better since he came on tour the last couple of months. But um, just looking at his his last I don't know ten to twelve events, he's he's lost strokes around the green, a couple shots here and there. On the last, I think seven of the last eleven events, and sometimes his putting can go a little cold as well. He lost five, five shots to the field on putting in the Memorial, but mm-hmm. in theory, I, I I think I wouldn't I wouldn't hate even a Morikawa Hovland, um, yeah, as your top two guys because I trust Hovland to make the cut. I trust him to make birdies. It's just can he he tends to do this thing where he'll make four birdies and throw a triple bogey in, and then you know it kind of gets back to square one but in dfs that's okay if you're making a lot of birdies that's okay um especially when you're making three in a row you get the extra five points and that makes a big difference too but i don't think we're going to see any three in a row birdies this you know are they on eagles either I, I wouldn't think you'd see a ton of Eagles this week. Uh, I mean, the par, you know, I guess a couple of the par fives, but they're still, you know, still tough. Where are you at with the other guys in the 9K range? You got Xander, 9,300, Cantley at 9,100, and P. Reed at 9,000. Yeah. Um, um, so in the, out of these, I'm definitely going Murakawa, Hovland, those two guys I'm leaning towards. And I mean, I, I mean, I like Justin Thomas and especially when he does in the big stage, I think he, he's certainly able to develop a lot of points in this type of system and keep himself hopefully towards the top 20 or and on to going into the weekend. Um, so those three out of 9,000, the other ones can't leave. I've put him a bet on him before and it's just, it's, it's, he's just a steady guy for me. And, and that's great. Just maybe not at, 9,000, if he was at 89 or 87, that might make a little bit difference when it comes to trying to fill the the last two or the last uh, spot after I've already picked the ones that I want. You know, these people, Patrick Reed and Patrick, yeah, Patrick Cantley are not people that I'm looking at to um, right. boom or bust, I guess, right? Boom. I, I feel like the other ones are going to have much better boom potential than – uh, bus potential, which I think those two probably will. I think so. Xander, real quick. Um, there's this huge spotlight on Xander um, this week. It feels like um, you know he's he's a San Diego guy, local guy, 
and yeah. and uh, he hasn't won in a while though. It's going at least two years, and um, you know, a really complete game, really complete player, no weaknesses really, and, and statistically, he rates out really well. Um, but I just don't. I just said this last night. I just don't trust him right now until I see yeah. it. I need to see it happen before I a would bet on him or B even put him in a DFS team. Um, uh, so Cantley though, Cantley right. though, I, that's the guy I trust and he's got, has zero weaknesses in his game. He just won at the Memorial. I know that's mm-hmm. a, that's an asterisk win with the ROM situation, but he still, it still counts. And he, he just seems like a U.S. Open player. He hits a lot of fairways. He's long enough. He is a good chipper. He's a good putter. Um, all these categories that we talk about, he's he's solid in. And at 9,100, I don't mind him. I know a lot of people are talking about Patrick Reed at 9,000. I just he 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 falls into the speed category for me a little bit this week. With I don't know if I trust his ball striking enough. I really trust him around the greens, but off the tee, he's not great. He's not long, and um, his iron play can be really hot or cold. Um, I just think it's a it's a bit of a risk for Reed at nine thousand. Um, I actually, if I were if I were to do anything, I just I would just bet him and and not not put him in DFS. I could see him missing the cut. Um, Who Cantley? Reed. Oh yeah, see, I was thinking I could see Cantley missing the cut, but yeah, Reed. Again, yeah, and, and I think some of this just falls to your preference on what type of player. Um, sure, but, but um, you know, you can really, you know, a lot of these guys are super close as far as what they what they can offer you. Yeah, um, eight thousand range. So this obviously gets a little lengthier, but um, starting at the top, Tony Finau. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I yeah. really, I really want Finau to win. Um, yeah, come on, you know. Um, you know, I think What's he's he at right now. So he, I think he's thirty-three, 33 to one. To one. Yeah, yeah. Um, which would be an awesome return. Um, he is super long, really good off the tee, and, and actually, he's become a pretty good chipper. Usually, with Finau, it just comes to comes comes down to what's you know. Is he, is he going to make his five footers, uh, you know, his, his seven, eight foot par putts to keep a minute. And he, he has this tendency to let everyone down on Sunday or even Saturday and play himself out of it when his talent eventually is going to prevail. He's going to win one of these. And I, I, I've said all along, I think he's going to bag a big tournament with his next win. I just don't know what it's going to be. I think he's a top tenner, you know, this week. I really do. And so, I mean, I think he has definitely a big boom potential. Um, Webb Simpson at 8,700. He's exactly like a Spieth type player, a Patrick Reed type player. Not long, but uh, really relies on his irons to get the job done and get hot with the putter. I think I saw where Webb has finished top 20 in the last three U.S. Opens. So he's not he's not the prototypical new U.S. Open player with length, but he figures out a way to finish well. Might be a solid play for some people in the, you know, as far as a cut maker in DFS. Um, you know, it's a guy to get you through the weekend and get you a solid finish. Um, I don't see him winning this week, but um, I don't mind him. What about anyone else in the 8K range for you, Rich? Zalatora, Scheffler, Berger, Hatton? Matt Stiyama. Matt Stiyama. I, I, did, I did kind of skip over him. Didn't yeah, I? you did. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Justin Rose always plays pretty good in the, in the majors, doesn't he? Yeah, Masters got a seventh. Yep. PGA, he got – he didn't play the PGA, but other players, he, I mean. Uh, he he finished top ten at the PGA too. Yeah, so I mean he's another big time, big face person, you know. So, but Scotty Scheffler's been playing very well. This is great. I mean, there's a lot of good mixes here that you can just, you know, you, you're taking two of the top, uh, you know, four there, and then you can fit three of more into here, and then have one that's just hopefully in the seven thousand range, you know, 
uh, low 7,000, maybe mid 7,000. And there's a lot of great potential here for that type of lineup. Or even if you go further where you're down to Bryson and Brooks or DJ and Brooks, you can still pad three of those spots with either one of the low 9,000s and, you know, some of these lower 8,000s still have a good chance to one, make the cut, you know, that's important. And two, hopefully be somewhere near the top, top 20, maybe for hopefully you get three of the guys out of, out of these 8,000s in the top 20, you know? Yeah, you're right. You could, you could arguably take three or four of these guys in the AK range, take a top guy and take a bottom guy. Um, take it, take Finau, Webb and Scheffler and, you know, take a Bryson and then fill, fill it in with a couple, you know, low 7K guys. And I think, you know, that could work out as well. Um, uh, Cam Smith at 8,000. Um, he yeah, is totally. guys that comes up short, you know, to me. He, he just but, looks like someone that's going to continue to come up short. But he's got a great mullet, though. Great mullet. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cam Smith is, to me, he's Patrick Reed light. He's Patrick Reed Jr. He's got the same type of game. He's probably worse off the tee than Reed a little bit. I'm trying to look look at the numbers here, um, but he's a he's just a fucking wizard around the greens and just getting the ball in the hole. He relies on 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 his short game quite a bit, um, but I, again, I don't know. Again, so Cam Smith is 82nd off the tee in this field, 53 in iron play. Um, I just don't – I don't know if you want to go to bat with Cam Smith this week, hitting out of this rough, uh, you know, someone that doesn't drive the ball great as is. Um, 7K range. Um, I got a couple guys I love in this range, Rich. Um, do you want to know my favorite play in the whole tournament this week? This is for this is for betting and DFS. Um, no, 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 not Phil. Right. Phil Abraham so I, answer. I'm going by, to Abraham by, answer. Oh, by the way, Phil's Phil's going to miss the cut this week. Oh yeah, I don't think he's got a shot. Yeah, Phil's going to miss the cut this week. Um, so actually, it's two guys, and and I talked about them last night on the betting show. Um, and mm. both of them are sixty to one. And I think both are great plays for either a top 10 for betting, a dark horse to win, and especially for DFS is Shane Lowry and Jason Kokrak. Kokrak is super underrated, super underrated. And I'm going to pull up his numbers here. Uh, but we know Kokrak won his last tournament in Texas. He beat Spieth at Colonial and I know, like I said last night, a much different golf course, but this guy's won twice on the season. His his numbers across the board are just really solid. He's 20th off the tee uh, in this field, 36 in approach, six on the greens. Um, if there's any weakness of his, he struggles a little bit around the greens. But um, I love him at this number. And I think if you're looking for a, a 7K guy to, you know, throw in your lineup with with a, a top guy and maybe, you know, another 9K guy. Kokrak's an awesome play. And additionally, Shane Lowry, at, also at 7,600. Um, he's finished, what, top 10, three of the last four tournaments. He's made a bunch of cuts in a row. Um, he's a major winner. In fact, he nearly won the U.S. Open the year Dustin Johnson won in 2016. He was a 54-hole leader. Um, so this is a guy that has won big tournaments. He is playing well. Um, he's not super, super long off the tee, but I love his short game, and I love the way he's playing. So I love Lowry as well at the same number of Kokrak. I think either one of those guys is a great place. That's good. Um, yeah, I wrote those two down for sure. What about but even putting um, those on the lineup? You're still sitting at an average of 87. So, I mean, it is kind of tough to, you know, yeah. pick multiple from these price ranges without spreading all over. And especially if you want one of the top guys, you know, yeah. it is kind of, you know, difficult. Or maybe the the play is to just kind of stay, stay middle of the road people, um, people that seven, are going to make the cut, right. The 7K range is it's a huge range, so we won't go through all of them, but there's a lot of good options in here. Um, besides yeah. the guy that we, we just talked about, I think um, uh, 
you know, guy that just won last week, Garrick Higo at 7,200 is pretty good value for a guy that's a long hitter and he's kind of a proven winner. Well, one of both tours, uh, Max Holm last, at 70. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Last four tournaments. Yeah. Three or last four tournaments he's played in or whatever. He's won, you know, were they two, two in a row in the European and then came out over here and won this one. Yeah. He, that was really amazing watching that. And he did it with just 68, 69, 68, 68, you know, not up and down, just steady. Um, One more guy I want to talk about, and um, anyone that's listened to the podcast for a while knows I love Sam Burns. I love me some Sam Burns. Um, He – so we know he won, and then he finished second a couple weeks ago. He had to withdraw from the PGA due to back injury. But uh, out on the West Coast earlier in the year – at this golf course, uh, when Reed won, he was the 54-hole leader. Or, I'm sorry, he wasn't. He was in. He was in second going to the to the last round, and then uh, a couple weeks later, out in LA at the at Riviera, he finished third. Um, he puts uh, these hybrid greens really well. Poana greens really well. Um, I think Burns might be somewhat interesting, and also a bomber as well. Um, anyone else for you in, in the 7K range, Rich? There's, you know. I mean, tell me about Stuart Sink stats. I mean, what's going on with him? Oh, lately? that's right. We're going to talk about Sink. Um, Stu Sink, two time winner this year, which is insane. <laughs> for a 40, so yeah. 47 year old guy. Um, I got to find him here on my board here. So that win, he scored 129 points. So he had a great day and he was only valued at 6,700. So he's so low, but lately it's been 52, 63, 62, 129, 65. So tons of value in Stuart Sink uh, when it comes to an average player that you're just going to fit into the lineup, you know? Yeah. It looks like his last three tournaments since winning, he, he hasn't played great, but he's made all the cuts still. And, uh, um, it looks like he hasn't been great off the tee, pretty good with his irons. But uh, I think at 7,200, you're right. He's long enough, even at his age, to, to compete out here. You know, could be an outside top top 20. Um, one more guy I do want to talk about, Brandon Grace at mm-hmm. 7,200. He, he was in the mix at the PGA. He kind of faded in the last round. Um, I think he was in the top five going to the last round. And then at the Memorial, he finished fourth. Um, he, he kind of fits the mold of someone that's not, um, he's not really long, but, um, he, uh, I think he's been getting it done with his irons actually. Um, and, uh, his putting, he's not normally the best putter, but, um, lately he's been gaining shots through iron play and great putting, um, I just think sometimes you can, you just don't overthink it and you ride the hot hand. Um, yeah, it looks like it was a memorial. He gained five shots on approach and five shots putting. He's just pretty average off the tee. Um, so he'll have to continue to do it that way. Um, I think there's a lot of good options in the 7K range to help fill your lineup, though. I, we mentioned a couple. Um, you could even argue Gary Woodland at 7,500 past US Open. Ex-Homa. Love Max Homa as well. Yeah. Um, Matt Wolf, uh, super interesting guy. I don't, I don't think you can touch him this week because he's been a train wreck since the fall. Um, he's been withdrawing and, and I think he's got personal issues, but it looks like he's coming back this week. Um, good to see him back, but I don't think you can really do much with him. Um, last guy I want to talk about, sorry, Rich in the seven K range. I keep throwing guys in here. Um, (laughs) One more, uh, one more. <laughs> Ryan Ryan Palmer. Um, um, so he has a good, really good history here um, at Torrey Pines. Um, he so he finished second to Patrick Reed in January at this course. He has had multiple top fives in past years at this golf course. Um, okay. Now the problem is he hasn't he hasn't finished in the top ten in any tournament since then. Um, but he's long enough off the tee, makes enough birdies to um, really make his seven uh, seventy one hundred salary. I think 
worthwhile yeah. if you're looking for someone that's that's about as low as you'd want to go realistically if you, if you had a and he's most likely going to make the cut so this is 14 or 16 cuts so he's doing pretty good on cuts too yeah i i think i think for that for that number yeah you definitely if, if you can get just someone through to make the cut that that would be a good thing yeah. um so six thousand range. This is this is where it gets super dicey. <laughs> Maybe we split. You know, let's go to like. There's like 20 people at 6,800. You know what I mean? So, um, right. I don't um, know. Just kind of going down the list, I guess. Let's talk about Wilco Nienaber <laughs> real quick. Wilco Nienaber. So last last <laughs> week, this guy's this guy's the longest hitter out there. He, I mean, more than Bryson. He, what? More than Bryson. He does it so okay. eff- effortlessly. It's it's crazy. Um, if anyone, oh wow, you need pull up, pull him up on YouTube or Twitter, and try to see his golf swing, and he, he hits in a mile. So he finished 14th last week. Um, you know, he's I. If you're just looking for someone that can bomb it and potentially make make some birdies and maybe make the cut, I think Wilco has a shot. Okay. Um, the other guy that making I the cut. Yeah, that's that's the question. Um, the I other see. guy that I was going to talk about was uh, Cameron Young. Cameron okay. Young, he won back-to-back tournaments on the Corn Ferry Tour a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Corn Ferry, well. yeah, Corn Ferry is what it is, but it's a good tour, um, and winning there is is no small feat. Um, I think he's a good player. Um, I think if you're again, you're trying to fill out your lineup there, sixty-eight hundred uh, Cam Young, not a bad choice. Um, I, this actually, Rich, I love I love talking about these kind of guys down here because yeah. I think this is like where Jonathan Vegas. Vegas he's been playing well. That's that's what I was going to mention. Yeah, yeah, Vegas, and he and he's a bomber too. Um, mm-hmm. Facts. I just was looking at this. He's he's third in the field, uh, strokes gained off the tee. Wow. Now he kind of sucks everywhere else. <laughs> but he's hitting some putts, but they were pretty straight last week. I mean, they weren't that bad of putts last week. Was he putting last week? At least when yeah, I saw he, on TV. He, he, he gained – yeah, he did gain just uh, – it was like 0.7 of the field. So he well, was and I bet him on round four. In round four, he, he did pretty well round four. Yeah, he played really well in the last round. But, man, he gained seven shots off the tee last week. So he's he really gets it done with his driver. Um, yeah, Vegas is a decent call. Um, also in that mold, Wyndham Clark – 6700 um same kind of guy good chipper too um he's he's gonna miss a lot of fairways but he's not the worst at getting it up and down from around the green um man below 6700 it gets kind of tough we we talked about jimmy walker and patrick rogers earlier i think we somehow we let off the show with them but um i think if you're like desperate I still kind of like Rogers, um, and I could just be way off there. I don't know, um, but I kind of like Rogers as as maybe the lowest guy I would I would take. Where's um, he at? Sixty five hundred. Sixty five. Okay. And I, his numbers his numbers are kind of yeah. rough, um, to be honest. But super talented guy, but just hasn't put it together at at the pro level yet, at least. Yeah, if I'm getting this low, I'm definitely trying to rearrange. I feel like I've got too much on the top side, and I need to kind of adjust a little bit, uh, mainly because I just don't think a lot of these are going to make the cut, you know, and it's just that's where you get into the middle of the pack if you're trying to do a million-dollar you know, yeah. tournament. But, you know, for me, yeah, you know, just 50-50s I can get away with one of these guys not missing the cut. It's just worse when, like, Rory misses the cut, you know. Like, yeah, I think I think I think if you so. take you, you got you got to take if you're taking an elite guy or a, you know a top guy like that, you got to make sure they get through. Or it's going to kill your lineup. Um, yeah. I was I was kind of just playing with with the lineup here, Rich, and uh, see what you think of this one that I just put together. Um, okay. uh, Bryson Morikawa. Lowry, Kokrak, Palmer, Burns. So it kind of fulfills two two top guys that I think really could win. 
I got two guys that I think are sleepers to potentially contend in Lowry and Kokrak. Palmer, I think, can can make the cut and, and top 20 it. And Burns, Burns is the wild card. Burns could win it. Burns could miss the cut. But as far so as you're going all the way up to the salary with this one, that would be that'd be well, yeah, I'd have that'd be just a hundred dollars max. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. I might I might look at something like that. I really like those two guys at seventy six hundred, and of course I like Bryson. I think I think if I wanted a high floor, you know, someone that I would probably select someone other than Burns to potentially fill out the lineup. And, yeah. and, but, I think it looks good. Just looking at it here, you know, running through what we talked about and seeing. I mean, it's it's pretty well put together with these six guys. Um, and you like can always to, interchange some, you know. I mean, again, sure. like you said, just <laughs> some of these guys are just on the same plane, you know. So I want to talk about one strategy that I have I have seen used, and um, my brother-in-law. If he's if he's listening, what's up, Ryan? Uh, my brother-in-law, when he was toying with DFS last summer, he found this strategy and he used it. So he say he picked three core guys. Say say it's for example Bryson, Morikawa, and we'll just say Palmer. So he built multiple lineups around those three guys. Say ten lineups, and every lineup he used those three and. Then every lineup, he would switch out another set of three guys um, to, to fill out each of those lineups. So it would be 10 different lineups, but with the three same core guys that he really liked and he really thought were going to have a chance to win or, or play really well. Um, that way, he could sort of tie his outcome to, I guess if Bryson misses a cut, then he's done. But if Bryson wins and he's, he selects a couple other guys um, – you know, one lineup might be disastrous because it might have three guys that miss a cup, but it might another lineup might be six to six. So basically the strategy is find three quarters of guys you like and then build if you're gonna do multiple lineups, um, you know, interchange interchange it with other guys you like and eventually one of them is probably gonna hit. Um, that's just one way to go about it. There's a million different ways you can attack this thing though. Yeah, again, you know, with whatever style you're playing, um the, the styles, but then also the tournaments versus, you know, some of these tournaments aren't that bad. I mean, there's still 28%, which, you know, it still isn't terrible to at least get your money back. I mean, the first it's, you'll take 15%, top 15%, just double your money, you know, that you're putting in, I think. But so that style would be for a tournament style. You're just trying to hit one of those to make all the money back from the rest. The other ones, whatever, I guess, for the 50-50s, though, right. it may be a little different because um, then you're just kind of, you know, one wins, one doesn't, one wins, doesn't. That's what I was doing with – what I've been doing is picking a lineup and then picking different um, $5 double-ups or $10, $20 double-ups in different rooms, you know, because as soon as one fills up, they'll, they'll put another one. And you'll see I'll be fourth in that one and sixth in the other one. You know, and still it's it's splitting hairs even with the same lineup. Uh, I just I, – I, I, when football, you know, I hope we spend a lot of time talking about DFS for football too because that was, it's just so much fun doing that too because it's fantasy football every, every week, you know, right. a new lineup. But I was finding that I would do different lineups with core people like that, and then I would hit – I wouldn't hit either two or three of them if I'd only did two or three, I guess you have to do more than, you know, a small amount of those to really make it to where you're going to win on more of them than other ones. But I would change one or two players and still only get minimal return out of doing it that way. So I feel like if I put money into different rooms of it, where other people styles are being changed, I think I have the best chance of, winning all of them that way because if my lineup wins then i win all of them or if maybe some we got kind of too close maybe i'll win half of them or i want to lose them all you know yeah i i i can understand what you're saying um i i again there's just so many ways to attack this um hopefully for those that listen and are playing dfs this week we gave some sort of insight 
um, some sort of stats or analytical evidence of why you should take a certain guy or why you shouldn't take a certain guy this week. Um, I would like both of us. Uh, my goal is Wednesday, you know, Wednesday on our Instagram, Facebook page, we can, I'll, I'll, I can release the lineup that will, that we're both going to play. And yeah. um, winning one. Yeah. Hopefully the winning one. Uh, it's going to win me that million dollars this week, Rich. Um, that's what I'm thinking. Um, all right. Final, any final thoughts on, on the U S open or um, DFS this week or, or anything else? And I'm just excited for another major. I think this is always a good thing for golf and, you know, television. And it's just good TV when you, I really think it's going to be great TV if we got Brooks and Bryson, you know, going at it all oh, weekend long. Could, That's yeah, going to be absolutely yeah. amazing. Could we please have that on Sunday? Yeah. That would be, I mean, I, I can't even yeah. imagine what that would be like if Brooks and Bryson were in the final pairing. I mean, that'd be insane. Uh, Jim Nance had a field day with that one. <laughs> But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be great. And, and I really do think Rory's going to miss the cut. So I'm going to put, you know, if there's money on that, what is that paying? Like 10,000 to one or what? Oh, it won't be that high. Let me, let me get I mean, you that real quick. Plus 10,000. I mean, <laughs> it, I bet, I bet Rory to miss the cut. I bet it's plus 300 or so. 300. That's it. Jeez. Yeah. Well, because it's just, I mean, it's not, yeah, but it's Rory, right? It is Rory, but, um, I'm trying to pull that up, but um, yeah, I, I think this is, I think, I, and by the way, I love, uh, I love the U S open at prime time. I love when it's on the West coast so I can, I, it's going to finish up eight or nine o'clock my time, Eastern time. Wow. Um, that's, that's awesome. I love that. I think it's, you know, I think the last time we had that was, it was 2015 um, when Spieth won the U S open, but yeah, I love that finish. I think it's going to be awesome. I'm trying to pull this up real quick. Um, we can end on the Rory missed the cut. It is. This is, this is great for the podcast. Um, Go fill it in. So now uh, yeah. Rory to miss the cut is plus two forty. Oh man. So, there you go. That's not worth it, I guess. Cause I could definitely at least make the cut. Hopefully. Uh, John Rom to miss is plus three fifty. So wow, I don't think Rom's <laughs> going to miss the cut. Um, all right, Richard, I appreciate you, man. This was fun. Phil, thank you so much. Let's do it again. We shall. Uh, everyone, this is our last show for the week. Enjoy the U.S. Open. Catch our picks, uh, betting and DFS on uh, your best bet on Instagram. Your best bet on Facebook. Thanks for listening and supporting the show as always. 